Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello and welcome everybody to the Uncommon Life Project. My name is Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst, and I'd just like to thank Ashley for the warm introduction. Thank you, Ashley. Great job. we got a really fun show for you. Again, we'd like to keep these a little uh, quicker, and then we also want to just get right to the point. So I'm going to start our 25-minute clock, which is actually hard for Brian and I to keep under 25 minutes, but we are going to do our best, and it just started. So what are we going to talk about today? Be Dizzle. Yeah, so... We listen to podcasts too, and I was listening to this podcast. I, and again, I don't want this to be um, like a negative towards someone else, but I think there's a really important point that we want to hit on today. So I want to try to make it about that point. And this podcast is fairly popular. It's a yeah, pretty well known. So and it's great. Like he's got a ton of good stuff, and he's challenged you know us in the way we think about a few things and how we're presenting our ideas and philosophies and all that. So. You know, again, I think this is, you know, financial planning and, and investment advice. There's lots of different schools of thought. And I think, you know, that's why we named ourselves Uncommon Wealth Partners because we think differently. And this is one of the most important points that I think differentiates us in the way we think versus other traditional financial planners. Okay, perfect. So in this uh, podcast, the individual, mm-hmm. the host was talking about, is it... Frequent- Frequent questions that he gets. Totally. And And we get this a lot too. So the question that he got was, should I pay off debt or should I invest? That was the question. Let's solve it. Yeah. Uh, So he went into a patient type, as we call it, or a client type, uh, and just kind of set the stage. So let's go into that. Yeah. It was a 31-year-old couple, $95,000 in student loan debt. They did not own their own home. $95,000 of student loan debt. Did not own right. Home. Yep. Right. And um, dual income. Uh, I think they were dinks, as we like to call them. Dual income, no kids. I didn't make that up, but that's what people call them. And they could save two grand a month to invest or accelerate their debt pay down. And they were really grappling with paying off their student loan debt or investing. And then the podcast host kind of launched into this whole main point that. Um, it's really just mathematical. Like you just compare the interest rate that you would pay on the debt versus the interest rate that you would get, you know, on the investment money. And then the tax deductibility of those contributions, you know, whether you could deduct the interest or whether you could, you know, deduct the contribution to a retirement plan. And that's where I lost my marbles. Well, it's, it's very, it's valid, right? But we feel like he missed one very, very critical point before he launched into it. So that point is non, in, in our opinion, is non-financial or non-mathematical is that you only have two types of money. And I think why I get so heightened or triggered or passionate about this topic is because I think this is a big part of the value that we bring to people is you only have two types of money. You have now money that you pay tax on, like checking account, like I just got paid for my job, it's deposit in your bank account type money. Or 
later money, which is the 401k, IRA, I would say even Roth IRA, 403b, later money, where you're putting money into some sort of instrument to get some sort of tax break or your money is now inaccessible in, you know, in front of the age of 60. And this couple and where the whole thing went, they were talking about investing not in like what I would, what we would call like a joint brokerage account or like a joint with rights of survivorship, which is the same tax treatment as now money. They were talking about, you know, overfunding uh, or maxing out kind of like employment or employer plans or like IRAs. Um, I, think it was like, I think it was like a 403B in their scenario and getting like an employer match. Yep. And I don't think you can compare those two apples to apples because you're now, you now have the inability to access your own money. In this couple's case, they were 31, really until you're 60 years old. So they're literally looking at separating themselves from their money and the use of that money beyond the tax deduction for 30 years. And I think our industry does a horrible job at talking about this, at highlighting it and making it extremely clear what you're doing to people and what they're doing with their money. And I just can't, I just wanted to do a show about it because it just upsets me to no end. And why does it upset me so much? Or why do I get so passionate about it? It's because we sit down with couples and we ask them, what do you want your life to be like? And everything they say is in the next one to three years. I want to have a kid. I want to pay off our house. I want a new car. I want to go on a trip. I want to start my own business. None of that stuff is deferred for three decades. Yep. And so the question that I think that we were like, whoa, like that really is interesting. He didn't even ask was, when would you like to retire? When do you want to start having this time freedom in your life? And what Brian and I have found in our practice is it's never honestly 65 or, or the retirement age of 60. It seems like, man, if I could do it, I'd want it tomorrow. And when our clients say that, and then they laugh and Brian and I are just serious as, you know, stoic of like, okay, let's make it happen. Like, it's just completely uncommon to them. Like, I didn't even know I could do that. And so that was the question that we were like, well, we need to know like when, what is, what, what's all, we, we needed to more, needed to know more information about these 31 couple that had $95,000 of debt. And when would they want to retire? What do they want their life to look like? What are they passionate about? What are they excited about? All this stuff. And it could be that they love their current job. Could be, right? And in that case, it, it totally changes things. But I still think the question needs to be asked of when would you like to retire? Or when would you like to have time freedom where you have money coming in that's covering your base expenses so then you can do what you'd like? And I don't know about you, but I'd say a lot of our, our clients and people that we run into would say earlier than 60, <laughs> if they could. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think even if you, if you want to make the case, and I want to go back to this because I think it's important. If you want to make the case of like, should I pay off student loan debt or should I invest? You have to make that in like a non-retirement account because you could set up like a joint brokerage account at TD Ameritrade and just buy index funds and plow that two grand a month extra into that, you know, like some S&P funds or whatever whatever your allocation decision is, I don't want to get into all that, but 
and you could build up that pot of money and you could live off that money in your forties if your expenses are low enough and you could retire before 60 years old. But if you're crossing that line and putting that money into a retirement plan, I just think our industry is doing a complete disservice to people of saying, oh, by the way, you're not going to be really able to benefit from this money for three decades. Yes. And so let's go back to the software and the process that we take our clients through, because I think it's valid. And uh, we put all of our our clients or future clients through a system where we will show them a snapshot. If they continue to do what they're doing today, will they be okay when they want to retire? And we always go to the traditional planners, the traditional advisors will go to age 67. That's usually full retirement age for social security. We can argue till we're blue in the face that we probably won't have the social security that is today for people in their thirties. Um, but we we always give people a snapshot of what does it look like if you continue what you're doing today? Are you going to be okay? And the system we do is amazing for that. So keep talking through that. So yeah, so we do that. We just kind of call it like a baseline of, you know, what are you saving? Where's your money? What's that compounding? And, you know, would that meet your retirement needs or income needs at 67? That's like the book answer, right? And the software tells them it runs like a thousand scenarios and, um, throws out the bottom 100, throws out the top 100 and says, Hey, you got like a hundred percent chance of success. Then what we try to do is we work down to like 62. Well, here's the deal. At the end of the day, we know what our clients are passionate about. We know what they're excited about. And so what they're excited about, they kind of want to do tomorrow. And that's really the fact. And so what we then try to do is like, okay, let's start doing, let's tweaking some things. Let's give you some recommendations that we can move that 67 number down because we really know that as soon as we can get you to this point where you can cover your base expenses with your cash flow and your investments, then basically you can right off from the sunset. Um, and we just talked about just having this desire of having a mindset in retirement. If we'll put a link in our, on the bottom here, just so you can go listen to that if you'd like to listen to that. So we know our clients and what they're passionate about. So we know what their goals are. And we want to try to align their money with their goals at this point. So we're starting to work backwards. Go ahead. Yeah. And then we show them at 62, you know, if you could retire, if you kept doing what you're doing and you retired at 62, would you have a, a high probability of success of being done? And the software kicks those variables out and that number. And, you know, for a lot of our clients, we deal with a lot of people that are like, they're really, we call them power savers. You know, they're just good at saving and they've predominantly saved in retirement plans. And then we say, okay, you're at 100% at 62. Now let's move that to 55. And when you move it to 55, typically for, for a lot of the couples, younger couples that we're dealing with, you know, um, dual income, no kids or just power savers or whatever, but they predominantly save like 80 to 90% of the money they've saved is in these retirement plans. And then the number of, you know, 100, 100% success rate kind of falls off a cliff because, well, now that money really can't be accessed meaningfully uh, you know, ahead of the age of 60. And so now it's like, oh, shoot, like, we're really far away from retiring sub 60, because all of our assets are in these vehicles that are really geared to be used once I'm 60 or older. And that's really where the power of the seven sources of residual income of having, you know, real estate that produces cash flow or businesses that produce cash flow or, you know, just income from other sources that aren't tied to all these government rules and restrictions and uh, regulations. And so that is really, I think when couples see that of like, oh, wow, like, well, now what do we have to do? 
if, if we want to do that. And we've put so much away into these 401ks. And I think this guy's podcast, he gets into that later in the episode, which I, I wish he would have kind of maybe led with more is, you know, your goals and everything that you want to accomplish now is, is more tangible. And so we're getting a lot of these couples that it's just kind of like, yeah, I've got a quarter of a million or whatever the number is saved in these retirement plans. But man, it's, it's 30 years away. Like, I'm just tired of putting more money in there. Like, I want to own an Airbnb or we want to travel or like if we had all this money in our bank account, we would live a different life and yeah. we want to start living that different life. We've proven we can save the money. Mm -hmm. Advisors today aren't really yeah. helping clients get to that point. Here's my point. I was uh, in Omaha for this little deal uh, and it was for like advisors who invest in the market and have a money manager. And so we were at this, uh, actually the Omaha Zoo and I overheard uh, an advisor talking to a younger woman and kind of telling her to start up a Roth IRA, get the employee match. Um, anyway, and after that guy left, I was like, hey, so sorry I overheard you, but like, what do you think about what that guy said? And she's like, I just don't know if I agree with it. And I was like, well, tell me more. And she's like, well, my husband and I would like to retire when we're 40 years old. And this is the reason for the podcast. And I was like, if you're going to retire at 40 years old, then why would you put your money in an account that you can't access to when, until you're 59 and a half? And her face lit up. She's like, exactly what I was, was going through my head when he told me that. I was like, you just need advisors to help you with your goals and try to help you maximize all the dollars that are coming into your economic engine. Her and her husband just got married. And so that's when, guess what? We got a new client because no other advisors are helping people with that. In fact, they don't even know how to get paid, but here's the deal. It's not about us. It's about really asking the right questions to find out what's important to the client and then doing what you should do is just help them achieve their goal faster. I mean, it's not rocket science. And so I just wanted to mention that true real life case study because I feel like there's so many more people out there that have these goals and they don't even know if they can even ask a traditional advisor because all these traditional advisors are going to say, well, get your company match. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I want to key in on that because, and I want to do a whole different episode on this like with actual numbers. We're kind of shooting from the hip today and kind of just talking about this more conceptually. But this whole idea of the company match is so hilarious to me. Because, and I think it's important and it's powerful and it, it can be a part of your retirement plan, but like, it's no reason to stay stuck in the job because of that. And what I think people miss is that there's other ways to get an employer match without trapping your money. And what I mean by that is like, think, you know, and again, think of this couple that they're 31 and they could save two grand a month. And that's conceivably $24,000 a year that they could put in a retirement plan and then get, you know, the maximum match from their employer. Or they could take that $24,000 and buy a rental property that's, you know, let's just say it's a $125,000 property and be getting, you know, whatever, $1,200, dollars $1,400 a month rent, you know, probably have a mortgage payment that's sub $700 a month. Uh, you have some insurance, maybe some fix-up costs. And let's just say you're netting $300 a month profit off that rental property. Well, that's $3,600 a year. You know, depending on what your salary is, if you're getting a three to 4% match, that's probably what the number is, you know, pretty close. But you're getting that match in your bank account and that's a profit on top of 
the equity that you're building in the property by paying your mortgage payment and having somebody else pay your mortgage payment on that rental property. You're getting the benefit all of all of that right now. And yeah, you're getting that money in an employer match, you know, deposit in your 401k or 403b or whatever your plan is. But you can't benefit really from that number until you're 60. And I, and I say that to people all the time when we meet with them. It's like, you could have 2 million in your 401k right now, but you're 35. Like, what does it change? Like, unless you're going to punch out and take that money and take the tax hit, it's really meaningless. And there's ways to get that money out of it in an uncommon way. But like, that's not the totally point of the podcast. Yeah, yep. that's not the point. It, it's you're trapping this money in there for three decades when you could be getting an employer match from the guy down the street who wants to rent a house. In and not money. only that. In now money. Yeah. And not only that, you're getting the tax. Um, there's just tax benefits of owning real estate. You know, you can depreciate a home. Uh, you can expense different things that you're not expensing if you have a job. And and so there's tax benefits. And then, you know, you keep the property up, you build this equity and, you know, real estate appreciates, um, you know, rents rise with inflation. And so that asset has multiple things that it's doing for you at the same time, as opposed to trapping that money in a 401k where you really can't do anything else with it other than just let it sit there. And I think the other important point that you, you highlight a lot that I think is totally missed is that when you put money in the stock market, you don't really learn anything because you're still doing your job, you're doing your deal, you're taking care of your family, you're going through life and you're just plowing money into these plans and you don't really learn anything about investing. You don't really learn anything about ups and downs, you're just focused on your daily life. And then you're hoping that this money is at a meaningful point when you hit 60 and, and you can punch out. But when you set up a real estate uh, LLC with your spouse and you go buy a rental property and you fix it up and you get that renter in there, you learn a lot and you accomplish a lot. And it, you get the reward of that in some respects and the risk of it in some respects right now. And when you start to scale that, and you know, we have couples that now have three, four, five, six rental properties uh, that they've built in the last five to 10 years. And now they're getting all that cash flow, all that equity accrual with the mortgages getting paid down, all that accrual with, you know, home prices going up. Um, and they're on fixed rate notes. Uh, it's, it's a powerful wealth creator. And so, yeah, I just, I heard that podcast and I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much more to this than just like a mathematical equation. What are the interest rates? Is what do you want your life to be like? And what are the other ways you can get an employer match? Or what are the other ways you can increase your income or increase your wealth beyond just putting money in a 401k? And I just think if you learn one thing from this podcast today, it's like, where is your money really going? And are you crossing that line of like, I can't touch this money until I'm 60. And really analyzing, does that align with your goals? Because a lot of times it doesn't. You know, you want to buy a house, you want to pay off debt, you want to get married, you want to have a kid, you want to adopt. You want to go on a vacation. You want to go on a vacation. That's all now money. But if you're, if you're putting all of your excess income into a retirement plan, it's going to be so much harder to accomplish those goals. And it, you're going to be so much more trapped into whatever it is you're doing currently and that's why we talk a lot about doing what you're passionate about because, you know, if you're not doing what you're passionate about and you're giving away all your excess income into a retirement plan you can't touch and to help you facilitate these things in your life that you want, it's going to be a long road on yeah. that path. And the difference between what you're passionate now and when you're passionate in retirement is probably going to be the exact same thing. But 
what you now can do is access the money that you've been putting away over the last 30 years now because <laughs> of age. And what, what we always say is like, why not just do that now? Like, when do you want to not do what you love? Well, never. Right. Exactly. And you'd and actually I, love life more if you're doing right. that. And I think, you know, we get a lot of people that become clients that read like Robert Kiyosaki, Tony Robbins, kind of self personal development, investing in yourself, investing in other assets, real estate, you know, is a common one. Uh, a lot of people that want to start their own business. There's so much marketing around investing in the stock market and max out these retirement plans and take, take advantage of the company match. We want to be that marketing or that voice, that encouragement to say, no, invest in yourself. I think one of the best things that I love that you say to people, Philip, and you ask them this question every time we sit down is like, what is your best asset? You know, and they'll say their house or their Roth or whatever. You know, we this had one, one. The engagement ring. That was the yeah, best one. I like that one. But your biggest asset is you and what God has designed you to do. Because when you're doing that and you're passionate, it doesn't feel like work. And that's when you're most on fire. And that's actually when you're most attractive and you can earn a premium for what it is you want to do and what you were geared to do. And so I think highlighting that like vocation and what is it that you're supposed to be doing and it, it takes an investment in yourself to fully get there. And that's foreign to what everybody is telling you to do with your money. It's like, no, work hard, get a profit, and then put an account you can't touch for three decades. And then your life will be different at that point. And I think a lot of the millennials, you know, and there's people like sub 35, sub 40 are saying like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to work at a job I hate for 30 years. Like, I want to travel. I want to live in a tiny home or I want to... I want to change jobs five or six times and, and I'm going to, my passion's going to change. And along that path, they're going to figure out what it is they're truly supposed to do, right? Yeah, we're definitely advocating for smart transition is what we would call that. Not just like, I'm quitting my job and I'm going to try this thing. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and like, let's do some market-based testing to see if this is actually a good idea or not. But maybe we can do all this while you're working at your current job. And yeah, it's going to be probably a little bit more work, but it's going to be a little safer. And you're going to feel like you have a little bit more grace with your current job because you're doing something on the side that's kind of really funding what you're passionate about. So. Mm -hmm. And I think I think the last thing, I, you know, we could go on several different tangents, but like um, Brett Appleton comes to mind of the podcast we shot with him last year and, you know, works at Wells Fargo. You know, they have a great company match and all that stuff. But he wasn't passionate about putting all of his excess income into the retirement plan and being stuck there for 30 years. No, they were pouring their excess money and passion into Airbnb and the lifestyle that that additional cash flow and the additional wealth creation from those properties is allowing them to design their life. And if you look at what retirement is, it's really financial freedom. And what that gives you is time freedom. And really what we're talking about is you get to design your day. And what we're trying to say, really, I think in terms of season two is, why would you put off designing the life you want to live? two to three decades. Now, if you're older, if you're in your 40s or 50s, and that you know whole 60 thing is a, a little closer uh, timeline, then obviously that's maybe going to impact things. But why would you delay designing your life? And when you look at the seven sources of residual income, you don't have to wait. There are other ways to make money. There are other ways to invest the profit off of your labor. And a lot of times, they have a bigger wealth impact than maybe just putting money into the stock market. And even if you do end up putting the money into the stock market, is the IRA 401k the best avenue if you want to retire sub 60? We would say the answer is no in that case. But 
that's where you got to meet. You got to do a financial plan and you got to really be honest with what your goals are and what you're willing to do. And you do a great job of like, okay, let's get everything shored up on the basis of what you're passionate about. Let's align your cash flow. And then when you're 50 years old or plus, then let's put them in a 401k. Let's then like try to get a tax deduction before this. But then you have the light at the end of the rainbow where you know you're going to access that quicker instead of somebody who's 31, who's going to throw all their money away in that. Yeah. I want to highlight this because I think this is important. I thank you for saying that. Let's just say you're 50, you and your spouse are 50 and you're like, I got 10 years. And let's just say from zero to 50, you haven't put one dime in a retirement plan. Not one. You've invested in businesses. You've invested in yourself. Um, you've invested in money that you can touch. And now you have financial freedom. And in that, you still like you own a business and you got all this money coming in and you've got to do something with it. Well, a 50 year old, there's a catch up. Let's just say you're, you have a, you're working two jobs and you're going to max out your 401k and get the company match. You and your spouse can put away like 24,000 a year between your employee contributions plus the catch up. That's before the match. And then the match is on top of that. So if you have a husband and wife at age 50 and you could each max out your retirement plan, that's basically you know, $50,000 a year you're putting away in retirement. In the 10 years from 50 to 59, and, and let's just say you earned no interest on your money. There's not a return on the stock market. That's putting away a half a million dollars. Now you factor in, let's just say you could average 6%. The money's not all in there on the front end, but uh, you know, those limits are going to increase over time and you get 6% interest. That's like putting away three quarters of a million dollars between 50 and 60. A lot of money, which that's a pretty lot much of money. what our clients come to us now. <laughs> and, and yeah, we're getting people in their mid fifties and sixties. And like, that's a lot of money. Like if we meet with somebody and they have three quarters of a million dollars in their 401k, like that's a lot for the average person. Um, and so what we're saying is, is like with no compound interest, you could put away a half a million dollars based on the rules today you know, into these plans and then the growth upon that money. And, and, you know, the other thing I'd say is like the stock market is not true compound interest. True compound interest is you don't pay tax. You always get a positive return and your money snowballs, you know, kind of downhill in a good way, right? Like kind of like you're rolling a snowball off the top of a mountain. Like it's just going to continue to build on itself, but that's not what the stock market is. And, you know, I look at my, my mom you know, she's lost half of her 401k in the last 20 years, two or three times being in the stock market. Well, that's not compound interest. And so you could get to that five yard line of retirement and the market goes down 40, 50%. And now you're, you're backwards. And so that's not compound interest. So why wouldn't you start that and maxing that out if you're going to put money into these retirement plans once you already have financial freedom and you have enough assets on the other side, the now money, that you can have and design your own life. Okay, now I'll put money into a retirement plan because I can afford to tie it up. And so what we're trying to say is every person's situation is unique. Every person's goals are different. And do you want to, do you just be extra careful if you're going to tie up your money into these plans? And especially if you're going to like max them out, that that aligns with your timeline of when do you want to retire and what do you want to do? Yeah. Dude, this is so good. I'm so sorry. We've hit our 25 minutes. It is, I feel like we have so much to talk about, um, but let's be true to this. Yeah. And I think, no, I think we're going to get into more detail about this. We want to dive deeper in the se second season of the podcast about this. And then 
making these conversations and these analysis, um, you know, like let's get into the numbers of rental properties and, and building out four or five rental properties over a 10 year period versus getting the company match and just doing the deal at work for 10 years. And like, let's really break that number down, you know, for our listeners. You've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. My name is Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. Thank you for listening. And honestly, we want you to live an uncommon life. And if this inspires you and encourages you, we've done our job. Have a great day, everyone. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.